Hello and welcome to the Meet Me and Isaiah podcast. My name is Marnie Clark and I am so glad you joined us today. Today we are starting a brand new series. It is called Road to Emmaus. We are going through Isaiah from start to finish. I do not know how long this is going to take. It probably will take a long time because there is so much there. We are going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us Jesus in the words of Isaiah. If you aren't familiar with the road to Emmaus, we are going to read Luke 24 before this is over with so that we can understand exactly what that is. But it is when Jesus opened the scriptures and showed the disciples that they were talking about him all along. And so as we start this journey, every single episode, we are going to pray and ask God to show us new things. And I invite you to read Isaiah with me. I'm actually going to read a passage at the beginning of every episode. So we'll be reading it together, but you are going to get a lot out of it if you grab your own journal and read it on your own before listening to these. It's so much more exciting to have Jesus show you things about himself when you're reading the scriptures with him one-on-one, and then we can come together and discuss. And the reason I say it that way is I would love for you all to, to shoot me an email and tell me what you are learning as you go, because I have no doubt that God is going to show me so many new things about himself. And the other thing that you need to know about this series is that I'm actually video recording it. If you are watching this on YouTube, you know that. But for my podcast listeners, um, you will find out my little secret about how much of an editor I am. Now, I don't know how to do video editing just yet, and maybe just don't have the patience for it. So all of you are going to have to deal with a few more ums and uhs and maybe some bloopers along the way, but maybe that will make this journey just a little more real, a little more raw. And I'm just going to have to be okay with that because I really wanted to have this resource available on YouTube. So So here we go. So I'm actually going to start with an overview of Isaiah today. Um, Before we start, let's pray, though. I really want to pray before each episode because it is only through the Holy Spirit that we can understand the scriptures. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you that you are here with us and that even though we are in all different places, listening at all different times, you are the same spirit who opened the scriptures on the road to Emmaus. I pray that you would do that for us today and that you would show us something new of yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just going to start with this reading, Isaiah 1.1. We're only going to read one verse 
today. So that's because we're doing an overview. And it, it says this, these are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw these visions during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. So as you can see, you don't have a lot to read this week, but um, you can see that this book took place over a long period of time. We're talking about four different kings' reigns. So, so let's take a quick overview of scripture as a whole before we take an overview of Isaiah. And you'll see after this episode, I hope, if you don't know already, why I'm so excited about Isaiah. God really called me to this book, and it, it has just been such a pleasure. Scripture is so incredibly amazing, and I love this. So, Scripture has 66 books. That's Old and New Testament. Fun fact, Isaiah has 66 chapters, and Scripture was written by 40 different authors who come from a variety of backgrounds. Most of them don't know each other, never did. And um, other than the disciples, of course, they're written over a period of 1500 years and they were written on three different continents, but there is one common storyline. The storyline is creation, fall, and the redemption of God's people. And I actually got this information from the book, Reliable Truth. It is by Richard Simmons. It is one of my very favorite books. So I highly recommend it. I will put a link in the show notes to that book. Now, Isaiah, um, a brief overview of Isaiah. It, the writing began around 740 BC. Um, I got that, that fact from a commentary called Isaiah by, let's see, it's by Ray, Raymond Ortland, and it is in the Preaching the Word series. It is a very good commentary. I'm reading that as well as some other, some other resources as we go through Isaiah together. Um, but it was written about 700 years before Christ's birth. And that is just one of the countless evidences of the reliability of Scripture. I say it's a really special book. All of God's Word is incredible. All of God's Word is incredible. But I just, I don't know. I, I really, really love Isaiah. And, you know, although Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament, I love how Sally Lloyd joined. Sally Lloyd-Jones puts it in her Jesus Bible story book. She says that every story in the Bible whispers his name, and it really does. But to me, Isaiah shouts. Isaiah shouts Jesus's name. And especially when we get to Isaiah 53, it is going to reach a very loud crescendo. For this reason, the book of Isaiah is often called the fifth gospel. Isaiah's name actually means the Lord is salvation or the Lord saves. And so that's, that gives us a pretty big hint of what we are going to be hearing in this book. It is the most quoted um, of the Old Testament prophets throughout the New Testament. So really, really special book. And 
there's another really cool fact that I'm going to tell you about. This requires me to tell you a story. And this is one of my favorite stories that happened to me. Um, But it has really cool meaning. So the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in 1947. And one of the best preserved documents was a complete scroll of the book of Isaiah. It's actually known as the Great Isaiah Scroll. And this scroll was dated around 150 to 125 BC. So this copy was, it showed that it was written before Jesus came, which was a really big deal because when you read parts of Isaiah, you think, hmm, sounds like somebody wrote this after the fact because it's so accurate. But no, um, it was written before. And so here is where the God wink comes in. Do y'all know what a God wink is? It is, for me, my definition of a God wink is when I'm somewhere, something happens and I'm like, oh, God is just letting me know that he sees me. And so back in March of 2018, this was during Holy Week, my husband Clay and I had the amazing opportunity of getting to visit Jerusalem. And, you know, with with the war going on now, I'm just, I am so grateful that we had that opportunity. In fact, our family was scheduled to be in Israel during Christmas. And of course, we had to postpone that trip. And um, our prayers are certainly with the people in Jerusalem and in Israel in that area right now. Um, but the entire trip was absolutely amazing. So many God winks in that trip. But one of the most remarkable parts of the trip, the most memorable part for me was when we visited St. Mark's Church in Old City, Jerusalem. We started out, we were, this was a Wednesday, actually, I'm going to back the story up to Wednesday of that week. We started out to visit the traditional site of the upper room um, on Wednesday. And, you know, it's like, when, when we left, before we left for this trip, I, I really was prepared to have a lot of emotional experiences on this trip. I really was. I mean, just the thought of being where Jesus walked, walking where Jesus walked. And, and I thought about how I had read where you could visit the upper room. And so I thought, wow, when I'm, when I'm there, I bet I'm going to be so emotional. I mean, that is where the last supper took place. That's where Pentecost took place. It's going to be amazing. And so when we reached the destination of the traditional site of the upper room, um, I, I hate to say it, but my husband and I were both kind of disappointed. We were like, hmm, didn't really feel those emotions we thought we would feel while we were here. And one thing we learned was that there is a difference between traditional sites and historical sites. So historical sites are places where there is a higher level of confidence that that is actually where the event took place or 
whatever, but a um, traditional site is more of it could have happened here. And so it feels like it might have happened here. So this is where we're going to say it was. And, and that is where the upper room was situated. It was a traditional site. So after that, we were a little bummed. We were a little disappointed, but we walked around. We were going to find some place to eat. The food there is amazing, by the way, um, if, if you ever do get a chance to visit Jerusalem. But we wandered around. We kind of got lost, and we were just, um, I don't know, we just kept reaching dead ends. It was like we we would get to a restaurant, it would just be too crowded, or we just couldn't find any place to eat. So we started to head back toward our hotel, which was in the new city, Jerusalem. And we saw a sign pointing to a restaurant called Kangaroo. Kind of a funny name for a restaurant. Um, but it turns out it was a Georgian restaurant. And there were not many people there because by this time it was probably two o'clock in the afternoon. And so we got a lot of time to talk with our server who may have been the owner. I'm not exactly sure, but she asked us what we had done that day. You know, of course, where are we from and all of these things. And we told her we went to the site of the upper room and she looked at us with kind of a funny look and she said, you didn't feel anything, did you? And Clay and I were just taken aback because we thought, no, but it was just, we, we thought that may have just been us. And she said, well, would you like to know where the real upper room is? And we're like, well, yes, of course we want to know where the real upper room is. I'm thinking, how do you know? But she says, well, you need to go to St. Mark's Church. That is the church that was built, um, and it was built where Mark, the disciple's mother, it was his mother's house. So there is a church in Old City, Jerusalem called St. Mark's Church, and she said that there is a lady named Sister Eustacia that will be sitting outside and she will greet us and we can go in. And so, so we did, we went and so the day we went and visited and talked with Sister Eustacia, it was Thursday, which happens to be Maundy Thursday. Of course, the, the day of the Holy Week where Jesus uh, has it had his last supper with the disciples and it was a very small church. It was pretty hard to find. We used our GPS in walking mode, thank goodness. And and that was a pretty cool experience, by the way. It was so cool. It was like you could say Garden of Gethsemane. And then, you know, our little Google Maps would take us right there. But we were able to find it. And Sister Eustacia was waiting for us. She told us a pretty cool story, which I'll save for another time. But she let us in and you could tell she was kind of a gatekeeper in a way. I think she wanted to know if we were serious or not. Like if we just wanted to come and take pictures or if we really, really wanted to see where the upper room was. And so we, um, we were able to go in and we walked down some steps. Actually, before we walked down, we walked through a service that was going on. They had a live service going on, and it was all in Aramaic. So 
they um, do these services in the the language that Jesus spoke when he was here on earth. And as we were walking through the church, let me tell you, Clay and I both felt something. We were so incredibly overcome just with emotion. Um, It's hard to describe. It just felt electric. We were so excited. We walked down steps and, you know, after wars, there's rubble. And so when cities are rebuilt, they're actually built on top of that. And many of you probably know that I didn't know that. But that's why we actually had to walk down. So at one point, this would have been an upper room, but now it is downstairs. And so we got down there and there were some candles lit. And the father of this church, I think that he, he, they call him the father of this monastery, he was down there and he greeted us. He showed us where he had written the Lord's prayer on a large piece of lamb skin. I had my picture taken with him with the Lord's prayer. We were just absolutely overcome with emotion. And he asked us what our names were and he got a smaller piece of lamb skin wrote our names in Aramaic and drew a candle and some grapes on it and signed it, put a seal. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, I'm actually going to show you. This is, this is it. This is the lambskin. And he said, um, he handed it to us and said, you are the light of the world. And we took it and we were just it, it was just the most beautiful moment. Um, it sits on top of our fireplace and we see it every day. It was really incredibly special to us. So I'm saying all this to say this was about a year before the Lord really called me to the book of Isaiah. And here's where the God wink comes in. So, you know, we've, Clay and I have told that story dozens of times. If you're close to us, you've probably already heard it, but it was really, really significant. So years later, after Meet Me and Isaiah got started, um, I was in the grocery store and a magazine caught my eye. It was a magazine that was talking about the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. If you don't know much about that, go look it up. It is incredible. So when I told you earlier that the largest, most complete scroll is the great Isaiah scroll. So of course, as I'm reading about these Dead Sea Scrolls, I read that and I, and I think, oh, that's so amazing. I can't believe that Isaiah. Yay. And then it talks about sort of the journey of where these scrolls lived as, um, as they were looking at them and preserving them and trying to decide who was going to get them. And they were, they changed hands a few times. Well, it said that early on, uh, the great Isaiah scroll was stored in a church in Jerusalem. Well, come to find out this magazine says the great Isaiah scroll was stored in in St. Mark's Church, that very church that I got to visit, that very church where I felt 
just almost a commissioning saying you are the light of the world and to find out that that incredibly significant Isaiah scroll was actually stored in that tiny little church that I got to visit. It was so, so special to me and just put a big exclamation point on the fact that God has called me to seriously look and study and uncover the treasures that are in the book of Isaiah. So that's a really, really cool story, especially for me personally. Um, Some parts are, I guess you, you had to be there to get the full effect. But let me tell you that God has so many incredible surprises as we read his word. He longs to surprise us, to show us more of himself. And that is what he is going to do as we read Isaiah together. We are going to continue to be amazed at the reliability of scripture. We are going to be amazed at the character of God and his loving kindness that he came down to earth, the word made flesh to dwell among us and to be our substitute for our sins. And so as we close out, I'm going to read Luke 24. And through this journey together, as we read Isaiah, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. It is somewhat of an easier to understand um, version than some others. Feel free to read any version you would like, but that is what I'm reading from uh, right now. And this is a long long passage, but it is well worth it to kick off our journey just with wild expectation of what God is going to do these next several, several weeks. So, Luke 24, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. 
as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all things before all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all scriptures, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. So that was actually Luke 24, 1 through 34. And I encourage you to read the rest of that chapter as well. But I truly believe that we are going to have an incredible journey as we open Isaiah together. We are opening it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that our hearts are going to burn within us as he opens the scripture to us. So thank you so much for joining me. And please reach out with any kinds of questions that you might have info at meetmeandisaiah.com.